episode two of the Exploring Scripture podcast. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike and I both work at Lifeway and Explore the Bible Team, and we have read all kinds of letters and emails and some of the questions that are been asked of us serve as a backdrop. And our goal is to discuss the principles for rightly understanding the Bible and the variety of literary genres found in Scripture. So our goal is to just help you be a better student of the Bible, something that we're working on ourselves. Even though we've got some experience, we still are are students of the Bible and learning and growing in that. Now, this episode, we're going to look at key steps to take when interpreting a Bible passage. Some of the questions we ought to ask, how do we apply it? How do we know to do that rightly? And what are some mistakes we need to avoid? So, Mike, let's just imagine that we've been enlisted to lead a Bible study group for our church. We have a curriculum like LifeWaves Explore the Bible Resources, which gives us some help. We find the study plan, which identifies the passage, so we know what we're going to be studying. We don't have to decide what that's going to be. We see some commentary. There's a Bible skill and some other things to do, some plans. But where do we start? What are the questions that we ought to ask when we first start to approach a Bible passage? What should we look we be looking for? Can you help us just think through those initial questions? Yeah, and I'm going to um, I'm going to assume that you may not even have that that Sunday school book, you know, or, or whatever that you have. I mean, I, let's, let's just assume you don't even have that. I hope you have okay. it. Um, if you don't have it, buy it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, but let's just, let's just assume you're, you're starting with, with nothing. All right, let's just, you have a Bible in front of you. Let's, let's start there first. Um, you know, there's, there are different ways to, to do Bible study. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into all the different ways you can do a Bible study, but what I want to, maybe what I want to cover That'll, is just, That could come later. Yeah, it could, it could. It could be a future episode, but let's just yeah. talk about some key principles that would apply across the board. And so what I'm, what I'm going to say here is not exhaustive in, in any way. There's going to be a lot that doesn't get said that could be said about this or that will be said in the future. All right. So just understand that we're, we're just kind of giving broad strokes here. So where do we start? Well, once you choose that passage, you read it. And that, that should go without saying you read it slowly and carefully and prayerfully. All right. I mean, that's of course, that's where you start. Uh, I think I referenced uh, Howard Hendricks quote in the previous episode, like the moment you come to a passage of scripture, and you say, well, I already know this one. That's when you're in trouble. So you don't, you know, you come to a passage and you read it as if you're reading it for the first time. So a couple of things that you want to consider with this passage, um, two things you're, you're looking for. One is the context. And the other is the content. Those are, the, those are two, the two things that you're, you're, you're looking at in, in your Bible study, and, the, and they go together. Uh, you're looking at context, and you're looking at content. By content, I mean, you know, the words used, the grammar, how thoughts kind of fit together and connect and, and all that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the first thing you're looking for is the context. You, you, you take a big picture, wide, you take a wide angle look before you focus in on the details, before you take that microscopic look. Because every verse of the Bible is part of a chapter and every chapter is part of a book and every book of the Bible is part of the the one story of scripture. So it's really, really important to see how a verse 
or a group of verses relates to the verses around it. If we don't pay attention to the context, then, then what happens? And then we're in danger of making the Bible say something the writer really wasn't saying. And that, that's easy. that can be easy to do when we just pull a verse out of context, as we all know. Um, so it's, it, and I think it's important for us to re, just remind ourselves here that the Bible was not originally written in chapters and verses. I think we forget that sometimes. That every book was a con, just a continuous text. You know, when Paul sat down to write his letters, he didn't say, okay, now for chapter two, now for verse three. It was just a continuous, you know, text. And it wasn't until what around in the middle, late Middle Ages, I think, that, mm -hmm. that um, they, you know, it was divided into chapters and verses. And, and I'm, which I'm glad that I'm glad they did that. Um, it makes it a lot easier to find. Can you imagine if we didn't have chapters and verses? But, oh, uh, my my point is that um, you got to just you know re look at the context, what comes before, what comes after. But but context also involves more than that. It, it refers to the culture and the history. You know what was going on historically. You know, what about the culture? The culture of the Bible is very different than ours. We make a mistake if we think that our culture is like theirs or theirs is like ours. It was, it was very different. So we're always wanting to interpret the passage in light of, of you know, the cultural, historical context, as well as the, the, you know, the literary context. Location could be a part of that, too. Yeah. Geographical. I mean, yeah, all of this is what we mean when we say context is key. So that's the first thing you know we want to look at as you choose a passage is you know just to look at it in in the context here, um, and there are some tools that can help with that. We'll talk about tools in later uh, later on uh, another episode. We'll talk about some tools that can you know help us understand cultural and historical geographical kinds of things. But when you come to that text, uh, you know you. I think I think your question was something related to something about you know the kinds of questions you want to ask uh, mm -hmm. of the text. If I remember correctly, there there are a number of questions that you might that you should ask uh, as you come to a passage to study it. Number of questions you ask of that passage. Um, so basically, six six basic questions. Um, who would be the first? Would be one question. Doesn't have to be in this order. But but who okay. who who's the writer? Who's writing this, or who's saying this? Who's he writing to, or who is he? Who is he speaking to, or who? Who? Who are the people in the story? Um, an example. I'll give you an example of why this. Is, one reason this is important is that there are places in the Bible where the speaker, where the one speaking, is expressing a viewpoint that is not necessarily God's viewpoint. Um, and so we don't treat those passages as in the same way we would treat the words of Jesus. Now, let me, I need to explain what I'm saying here. Um, uh, my, what I just said could easily be taken out of context to, to, to say, well, some passages are not as important as other passages. And that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying look at who the speaker is, because I'm thinking of the book of Job, all right? Book of Job is a great example of this. A large part of Job is a dialogue between he and his friends. You've got Eliphaz, for example, one of the friends, Eliphaz, who says in Job 4, verses 7 and 8, he's saying to, speaking to Job, 
He says, who that was innocent ever perished? Those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. What, what he's saying here, what Eliphaz was saying, and his other, the other friends also, they were saying to Job, your suffering, Job, is the result of sin in your life. This is your fault. What have you done? You've done something. You've sinned in some way, and that's the explanation for all this has happened to you because you have sinned in some way. You brought this on yourself. So it'd be very easy to just to pull, you know, the, the quotes from Eliphaz out of context and say, you know, that's, that's, that's the answer right there. That's the answer. But in the context of the book, in the bigger context, in the, in, in, in the context of the whole book of Job, you get over to the last chapter and where God speaks. And God says in Job 42, 7, he says to Eliphaz, my anger burns against you and your two friends because you have not spoken to me what is right. So what Job, what Eliphaz said back in Job 4, 7, and 8, wasn't right. So, you know, why are the words of Eliphaz even there? Well, the words of Job's friends, I guess they're there to instruct us how not to think. <laughs> yeah. so, so we don't give we don't give the words of Eliphaz the same weight that we give to the words of Jesus. That's that's what I'm saying. So we're asking, okay, who who's speaking here? And who's he speaking to? Uh, so who, uh, what, what would be another one of those key questions? What is this about? Okay. What's happening here? What's happening? What, what are the main ideas? What was the writer trying to communicate? I mean, all kinds of what questions, just ask what questions, whatever questions come, what questions come to your mind? There's the where question, you know, where did this take place? What's the geographic setting and why is that important? Is that important? When is another? When did this take place? You know, what's what's going on here? What's the historical background? Um, why? I guess the yeah, the next one be why? Why did this happen? Why is this even included here? Why why is this put here? Why is this in where it is? Why is it in this book? Why is it in the Bible? Why did the writer write this? And then the, the last question is the the so what question, where you start to get into the application. Uh, how does this passage apply to, to my life or how does it apply to my situation? And, and, I, and I realize that you may have you you may have more questions than you have answers. You may have more questions than you have answers. But that, this is where you start. You start by by asking questions and you just make a list of your questions. You may find the answers later on, but just start making a list of questions. Even passages that are letters for example there's a where behind that like romans there's yeah. a where he's writing to a specific group of people and that impacts how he's written some of that see that in the in the gospels each one of them same stories yeah but written in very different ways because of the audience yeah <clears throat> and there's some other things to look for as well as you come to a passage of scripture it just uh, like for example um are there any words being repeated or words or ideas or phrases that are, are repeated in this, in this passage? Because repetition can help us really see what the passage is about. The main idea uh, is, is often found by, by looking for repeated words and phrases. I mean, how many times is the word faith used in Hebrews 11? Yeah. It's not hard to figure out what that chapter is about, right? Because it's the word faith is repeated over and over. So look for repeated words and ideas. Look for comparisons. Look, look for the word like or the word as to see how things are one thing is compared to another. First Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow uh, in your salvation. You know, the, the, 
what, what is that comparison all about? How, how are we to be like a newborn infant? I thought I was supposed to be mature. Now, but Peter's saying I should be like a, a baby. Uh, so what's the, what's the comparison he's making there? Or look for a contrast. Sometimes the biblical writers will signify a contrast with words like however, nevertheless, but uh, Ephesians 2, you were, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, but God. That's a, that's a key phrase you find in a number of places. Look for connections. Look for how words or thoughts and sentences or paragraphs are connected to one another. You know, look, look for words like if and then, therefore, and they help us see the connections between verses and paragraphs and concepts and ideas. You got the, that word therefore, it often sig signals, you know, that what went on before uh, is, is significant in understanding what he's about to say, the word therefore. Uh, so have, having looked at these things, the context and the content, then, then look for, identify, try to identify the main idea or the thought of the passage. What's, what's the key point the writer is making? Having looked at the context, having looked at the, at the content and, and asked the, these basic questions and, and looked for things like contrast and comparisons and repeated words and connections, what do you think is the main point here? So I, I really think we need, we need to look at what the main point is that the writer was making. So we don't, you know, we, we don't want to get sidetracked by a lot of secondary issues we want to we want to we want to try to focus in on okay what is the main point what's the main point and identify what you believe the main point of this passage is and then the last thing is you you apply it the application uh, but uh, this all this work needs to come first before we can even get to the application so the the things that you noted are content Excuse me, context first, right? Mm -hmm. Context, then content. Yeah. Then uh, key passage, just to see a C might be a central point. So you got yeah. context, content, central point, and then this last thing here of apply. That may be a bigger issue than we, than we uh, need to, we almost could dedicate a whole session. And we might need to at some point. Uh, but because I think about, uh, you know, you, I see it in the uh, in the Christmas story in Luke 2, excuse me, Matthew 2. Uh, the chief priests are assembled and scribes and they're asked where the Messiah is born. And they answer like that. They answer in Bethlehem of Judea because that's where it was written by the prophet. And then they quote, quote Michael, Michael 5, 2. They here they were, they spent their whole lives reading and studying the Bible. They were able to answer King Herod quickly, and they did it when the pressure was on. I mean, it, I mean, the king's asking you that question. That's not one of those, let me come back to you tomorrow. I mean, it was a, they answered it quickly. Yet, they didn't go to Bethlehem like the wise men did. Uh, they knew the facts, they knew the information, but they did not act on it. Um, that's an important part for, part for us to get to it this in this process mike is how do we find the application and what are some of the challenges in doing that well the, you know the basic principle here uh is that application has to begin with sound interpretation interpretation has to come first if if the interpretation of the passage is inaccurate then the application will be faulty as well 
So you've got the, the interpretation that's asking, what did this mean to the original audience? What did this mean when, when Paul or Peter or whoever wrote this? And then from that, you, say, you ask, okay, well, how does this relate to me? There's, there's where you get the application. And too often we rush to the application without trying to think through what the text is actually saying or what the writer was saying when he wrote it. We have to let the application flow directly from, from the text, is text, the meaning of the text, or we make the wrong application. So application, here's a good, very simple definition of application that I've, that I've come across. This, this is from uh, Roy Zook in Rightly Divided, little book, Rightly Divided. His definition of application is very simple. It's relevance plus response. It's the relevance and the response. And he even says, you know, he even, he even writes, it out as, writes it out as an equation, R plus R equals A. <laughs> to, you know, if that helps you, then um, so R plus R equals A. So that's relevance plus response. That's your application. So to help you find, to help us find the application, again, there's some questions to ask. We talked about questions, you know, a minute ago and finding the meaning, <clears throat> the content. Uh, there's some ap good applications that will help us find the, the relevance and response to a passage. I'll just give you a few of these. Like, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there a command to obey? Is there, is there an example to follow? Is there a habit to change, either to start or to stop? Is there a truth to believe? So those kinds of questions that we might ask to help us find how, how a passage is, is, is relevant and the kind of response um, that, we, that we can make to it. The, 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 challenge, the challenge of application, well, well, let me just say that there are some biblical passages that the application is just, it's pretty you know, straightforward. It's easy to find, like love one another. Right? That's, that's not hard to figure out. Believe in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you're not searching like, what is the application here? But there are other, other um, passages that don't lend themselves easily to application. Maybe because the situation that prompted those passages, that prompted the writer to say what he was writing, maybe that situation doesn't exist for us. Uh, so here's, and let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. And in and, and, and giving you this example, I'll give you three steps for app, to, to find application okay. where, it's not, where it's not, you know, obvious. Let's use 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8, where Paul is talking about eating meat offered to idols. So he said in, in 1 Corinthians 8, 13, that he, Paul said he would stop eating meat if, if eating meat offended his fellow believers. So where's, where's the application in there for us? The application is not, well, we should stop eating meat. That's not, the, that's, not where, that's not the application for us. So how do we find the application? Because that, what Paul is talking about there is really not an issue for us in, in, where we, in our culture. You know, going, to the, going down to the grocery store and buying meat that's been offered in a pagan temple, that's, that's not something we you know, deal with. So first of all, to find the application, understand the historical context. Look at the historical context. 
There was meat being sold in the marketplace at Corinth that likely had been offered to an idol in the pagan temple. And there are believers in the church who some felt, felt very strongly that Christians should not eat that meat. And there are others who they weren't bothered by it. I mean, they said, well, you know, those idols aren't even real. So really, it's, you know, it's okay to eat the meat. Now, like I said, that's not an issue for us. So what do we want to do here? We want to look for the general timeless principles that would be true in every culture and every generation. There are some, and, and what that would be for us is, okay, there are some actions that might be perfectly all right for us to do as Christians, but doing them might cause uh, harm to a Christian brother or sister who's still young or immature in the faith and who's still learning what the Christian life is all about. So when we love someone, when we love our, our brother or sister in Christ, we, we need to understand that there are some things more important than knowledge. There are some things more important than our freedom. That's the principle here. Some things are more important than, than what we're free to do. So we want to look for some appropriate applications that would embody that principle. So what situation do we find ourselves in today in which we, we could apply that general timeless principle? It'll be different for us. It might be different in, a, in another culture than in ours, but there's a general timeless principle there that we can apply, apply this to, or a situation that we can apply that principle to. The principle doesn't change, but the context in where we're living may change. Yeah. 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 So we, we look for ways to apply the principle that doesn't change to our particular situation and context. Here's another quick example from Exodus 23, 19. It says, you must, you must not boil a young goat in its, in its mother's milk. What do you do with that? I mean, if you, if you look at the, if you study the passage, you, what, you will, what you're going to learn is that that law was related, more than, more than likely related to, a, to some pagan rituals that God did not want his people to be a part of. He does not want his people to be a part of practicing these certain pagan rituals that involve, involve that. So the application here is not be careful how you cook your goat. That's not the application. Now, I have some strong opinions about how you should cook your goat, but that's not what this passage is about, okay? <laughs> the application would be something like don't participate in the ungodly or idolatrous, pra the, the ungodly or idolatrous practices of the culture in which you live. You live by God's standards, not by the, the standards of the culture in which you, you find yourself. So <clears throat> we said earlier, said, um, was it? Yeah, I think we said earlier that a passage can have one meaning and that may have been in the previous episode. A passage has one meaning, what the writer meant. Yeah. But that passage can have a lot of different applications and that, that is true. Um, so the difficulty we run into in application and why it be, can become difficult is we're attempting to take something given in another um, time, place, situation and apply it to, to, um, to our time, place, situation and culture. And so sometimes that's, that's what makes application so difficult. You have that idea there of rushing to application. The R plus R equals A, relevance plus response equals application. Are there some mistakes we need to avoid other than rushing in application um, when we deal with interpreting Bible passages? Yeah, there, there are. <clears throat> I mean, we could do a whole episode on that too. Um, 
And one, I just kind of go back to what we've said and will continue to say, I think, is a mistake is when we ignore the context. Con context is, you know, it's key. Um, <clears throat> here's the quote, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Yeah. So in other words, <laughs> in other words, pay attention to the context, or if not, you're going to, you're going to extract some meaning from that verse that the writer really didn't mean at all. Um, so that, that's, you know, to me, that's probably at the top of the list that I would make is, is, is not looking at the context of the passage. You know, a, a mistake a lot of people make, maybe unintentionally, I mean, it would be unintentional, but it's just misreading the text, just reading it wrong. Like, money is the root of all evil. No, I mean, that's, that's not what it says. But, but sometimes we, we just misread it. Um, maybe not intentionally, but we do. Sometimes it can be because of the translation we have, too, when we misread it. Yeah, it could be. It could be that. Uh, um, <clears throat> Sometimes we distort the text. We, we, we make it say what we want it to say. I mean, we come to a text with our own, certain, our own, with our own presuppositions or biases or agenda. Maybe we look for a verse just to support something that, you know, an opinion we have. So, I mean, there are all kinds of ways that we can distort the meaning of a text. Even, you think about, even Satan quoted scripture correctly. You know, he used he used scripture. He quoted it, um, but he distorted the meaning. And maybe that's just a part of going back to ignoring the context. You know, that's just part of that. Uh, one of the, you're talking about Matthew four specifically when he yeah, Matthew, Jesus. Matthew four five, I think, is where yeah. I see him quoting. Uh, sub subjectivizing, subjectivizing. I think that's a word. Make, making the meaning subjective making the meaning of a passage subjective. And, and what, that, what that says is, you know, subjectivism says, well, your interpretation is true for you and mine is true for me. I think we've already covered this uh, previously, but, you know, subjectivism is just, you know, the meaning is whatever the interpreter thinks it means. You know, and so one interpretation is, can be just as valid as another interpretation, and that's a mistake. And I hope, I hope we've made the point that the text means what the writer meant for it to mean. And it can't mean today what it never meant, what it didn't mean then. That's dangerous too, because then you can make it, you can make it say whatever you really want it to say. And there's no way to argue yeah. or even, even think about the idea that maybe I need to consider what someone else has studied or thought about this passage because it's going to be contrary to what I what I want it to mean. Yeah. So we've got uh we ignore the context, we misread it, we distort it. Uh, we go for the subjective, which includes the idea of us. Um, my view is just as good as your view. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we begin with the idea of rushing to application. We don't take the time to study the passage well. Right. Other things we would say there that we mistake we need to avoid when we're doing this interpreting. I don't know. It might, it might be something we would come back to. Uh, uh, in the future, uh, and it, it might be that it, it might be that we bring out some other mistakes as we go along here, yeah. step by step. But um, those are the ones that are on my list today. In fact, those of y'all who are listening, y'all can send us comments, questions. Y'all may send mistakes that you see that you want us to comment on. You can email us at 
Dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com, D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com or at mike.livingston at lifeway.com. That's M-I-K-E dot L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E at lifeway.com. Um, we promise to keep your emails to us uh, confidential, uh, but if you have a question or comment that may feed some future conversation, feel free to send us that, that, that question or comment. We would want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by LifeWays Explore the Bible resources, and you can find out more about Explore the Bible by visiting GoExploreTheBible.com. Thank you for listening to us today. In our next episode, we're going to focus on Bible studies tools, and we'll, we'll bring up translations in that as well, Mike. Um, if you follow this podcast, and that way you'll make sure you don't miss a single episode coming up. And we look forward to visiting with you again as we look at the Bible tools needed to do good Bible study.